Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of the Hospital Podcast, which is a celebration of Hospital's best ever selling album, <laughs> Hospital Mix One. So a little bit of a documentary, um, a little bit of a kind of uh, history session. Myself, Tony Coleman, aka London Electricity, here with Mr. Chris Goss, and uh, we're going to go back in time and reminisce <laughs> about Hospital Mix One. And uh, how you doing, Chris? You all right? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm delighted that I just found a shrink-wrapped copy I know. of Hospital Mix shrink-wrapped. In, in the CD archive. Fantastic. <laughs> the archive was a good idea, yeah. <laughs> after all. Yeah. Um, now, I should just, just warn you all that there are going to be long intros, because when people made drum and bass tunes back in the late 1990s mm. and the 2000s, 64 bar, 80 bar, 96 bar intros were a thing. Yeah, I was I, I was looking at the I was looking at the track listing this morning, and I mean the average length of tune on here is around seven minutes. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple of eight minute tunes. <laughs> there are, there are that that was how it was in those days. But um, Hospital Mix One was it wasn't supposed to be released, was it, Chris? It was it was an idea just because we'd started our first ever hospitality at Herbal in October 2000 and uh, we thought we, we didn't know if anyone was going to come so we thought yeah. maybe if we gave away 50 CDRs yeah. of a mix <laughs> that people might be more more inclined to actually buy tickets because people people actually did that kind of thing in those days didn't they there was like you know we think about you know free before 11 that kind of thing mm. but there was also like the first 100 people get a CD or something like that and so like, we thought well, we better do something Mm. This is the first ever hospitality. So, and it was like, um, you know, I just dug out of the archive the original flyer. Uh, so it's Friday the 19th of October was the very first hospitality. So 19th of October in 2001. Uh, and, so, and it was only nine till two at Herbal in Shoreditch. And uh, yeah, so the, the first, I think you said, like the first 50 people yeah. got a CDR of this mix. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I went down into the studio and just rattled off this mix thoughtlessly and we, we burnt it ourselves on 50 CDRs yeah. in the, on the studio Mac long process um, hand, hand printed the things the, the inlays and gave them out and then like and we were just thinking well why not try and release this for but a I, fiver but I wonder I wonder if anyone's still got one of those CDRs because that because yeah. I haven't got one have you got no one? I haven't got one no Someone somewhere's got yeah, one. Yeah. Most, most. I mean, that first hospitality. That was what was it? Three pounds before ten and five pounds after ten or something. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah. To get in, top whack was a fiver. Yeah, I think. And there used to be a queue at five to ten, and everyone trying to get in before ten o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, and then we and we take it in turns to do the door. So it was you, me, and Tomahawk. Yeah. Uh, landslide and the lady culminator and yeah. Uh, Lady Culminator and um, maybe Zach Viber as well at that point I think but between us we just rotated kind of yeah. doing everything that's right so um, we've got a lot more stories about that but this is High Contrast Make It Tonight track one on Hospital Mix 1 
listening to this the other day because I listened to it for ages um, so I've only been playing out the Danny Bird version yeah. <laughs> over about the last 10-15 years yeah. it's, it's better really I think it's better anyway um, but I remembered starting to make this tune and it was after talking to our, the promo company who did our promo main source and um, what was his name that big guy who Klaus Klaus, that's it. Klaus from Main Source used to, um, yeah, he made tunes. And I remember him kind of like sitting down with me and Chris and saying, yeah, your, your tunes are good and everything, but, you know, you need harder drum. <laughs> so Wishing Well was the first tune after that that conversation. and Trying to step it up a bit. It was. And also, I, I just bought the Virus Access 1 synth, and that is the bass line on this comes from that synth, which you can probably hear if you know your gear. Yeah, nice sold it after I wish I hadn't sold it it's really good <laughs> there you go yeah good old access And actually, this this was this was the first sort of loud tune hmm. that, that we ever made. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it it probably felt like this was I don't know like a, maybe a second phase of trying to kind of like make that more club friendly sort of sound. Yeah, an arrangement, you know. Although I ne- I never found out if anyone did play it in the club <laughs> apart from us, <laughs> but it did quite well. But it did it did it did feel like a at least to me I don't know it felt like a definitive sort of step forward from where we'd started maybe where we'd started felt like quite instinctive kind of exotic loungy very musical you know almost quite self-indulgent yeah 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 and as you said maybe from then having I don't know like you know been involved in the scene for a few years by this point trying to kind of like focus on 12s and trying to focus on how we could carve something for a for a club yeah, and it was off. It was also after um, 
after DJing, doing shows, mm. and trying to play early London electricity out in a club, which wasn't easy. <laughs> Let's face it, it was yeah. quite challenging. Um, went horribly wrong at times, but I think going back into the studio after that, you think, okay, I need to make something that's going to play out more easily, mm. you know. But it's also, and it's also, of course, when we were DJing, you know, one th it's one thing if we're playing exclusively our music or exclusively hospital music, but inevitably wanting to play stuff from Full Cycle and stuff, you know, from Virus and thinking, mm. wow, okay, uh, it's quite quite a difference here sonically between <laughs> between the productions. And it's, it hasn't got a breakdown, this tune, at all. It just goes and goes and goes and then Doesn't stops. It? No. No, no, no. <laughs> It's relentless. <laughs> and the, the Danny Bird remix of this was an absolute moment, wasn't it? Remember when he, when he came down with, um, with two Jags? Yeah. To play it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two Jags. Hello, Gerard. Uh, yes, Gerard. <laughs> um, and uh, it was just like, but Danny had spent about a year making it, remember? But it was like, you know, it was another, so I think, would it, would his remix of this been after uh, his Brian McKnight? Yeah, it was Plastic it, Surgery 3. So it, it felt like another sort of, you know, significant moment for Danny. That's a really, really fantastic remix. Yeah, check it out. If you don't know it, the Danny Bird remix of this tune, Wishing Well. Massive piece of our history. Right. So, we had, just before this came out, we had released a single by an artist called Roots. Nice. No, sorry, called uh, Rob Delta, rather. Delta. Yeah. Um, and, uh, just it up. There you go. Now, Rob Delta was a fascinating individual <laughs> who made music unlike anybody else. So, let's just, it's got a long intro. Check it out. And Rob was one of those artists who views things from an entirely different perspective. And that comes through in the music. Mm. Some very surprising ideas. I think I think Rob was one of the first people that when I was asking him about DJing and he you know and he told me that you know he did DJ drum and bass, but he'd also like to play quite eclectic mm. DJ sets. Some of the first people that said, like, oh you know, I I am just like I'm really into psych. And I remember thinking, what's that? <laughs> you know. He's really into kind of, I mean, he's got a fan, you know, an amazing knowledge of music, like deep, deep record collection. Uh, and I, I think that, that, that was a lot of the fascination for me with Rob about like, yeah. you know, the, the things that he wanted to try and involve in his production. Absolutely. I mean, he was a massive Hawkwind fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. for those that don't know, you probably won't enjoy listening to Hawkwind very much. <laughs> um, although they did have a hit record called uh, Silver Machine, which is quite fun. But they were psychedelic, um, magic mushroom rock, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 
Did Rob ever actually DJ for us? I have a feeling, that I, I want to say that he played room two upstairs at Herbal. Like, I don't know if he did though. I thought he did. But I don't know that, I don't know if he ever played a drum and bass set for us. No, for which, we, which we should apologize. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I guess because the, th- the thing was at the time, because we were, we were so focused on Herbal, which was a bit like, kind of like our residency with uh, Amazare and Leanne, Tim Landslide, High Contrast, you know, and Danny, and 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 then you know merging into like as John John and Matt Scientific joined, mm. you know, but also because it was like really it was a nine till three club night, wasn't it? So there, were, there weren't lots of opportunities. There for wasn't sets. much time, and I probably I think a lot of the time you know the DJs were playing ninety minutes or two hours, so it wasn't like a massive lineup, was it? There wasn't there wasn't a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I can smell it thinking about the club. <laughs> I can actually smell that night. <laughs> I won't go into what it smelled like. Particularly at the end of the night when the lights came on. It's not creative. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And um, so we had a we had a routine which we developed from, from the first night. Um, we went to the Vietnamese restaurant. Um, the Viet Ho. The Viet Ho. Still there. In, in Hoxton, which is up the road from Herbal. Um, I always had catfish, <laughs> which would right, yeah. which would give me the most revolting burps about halfway through the night. So by about <laughs> one a.m., the mixture of beer and catfish would start coming out while I was DJing, and anyone I was talking to would get a face full of catfish burps. <laughs> oh, it was disgusting, but it became like a lucky thing. Yeah, like, didn't want to change it because the first night sold out. Yeah. Much to our surprise. Yeah, we became quite superstitious about that. I have a feeling that there was one night that we went south down the road. Yeah. I think we might have gone to a curry house and everyone got really, I got really nervous about it. Yeah. This was the wrong thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And then then became a thing where going to the Viet Ho before Herbal, you know, it would be you and I uh, with I and and Tom and Tim and maybe a guest DJ. Mm. Then it just became a thing where like there'd be 25 people there be like yeah, that, people. there'd be like, all the hangers on as the hospital family grew the artists would turn up with their mates and we, we'd end up buying dinner for like 25 people literally and we couldn't get a table literally and like and comics would always be there yeah <laughs> <laughs> even though they were like, yeah they were playing sometimes yeah, yeah. No, they, they would you're right the Cambridge freeloaders <laughs> yeah so um track three track four even is um Grand Unified, music makes me feel this way. Now, th- this has got a really interesting intro that's quite long. Um, Grand Unified were an extremely promising act very, very early on. Um, they'd made they made two tunes that was going on, mm-hmm. which is an amazing, track it down. It's an amazing piece of drum and bass. And it's, the bass line is sort of inspired by... That Stevie Wonder bass line. Too high. Yeah, do you remember it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wicked tune. Yeah. Like, going on was like way ahead of its time. And um, and there was uh, Hot 99, I think it was called. It was Hot 99, yeah. which which is on the, the first Tony Hawk's skateboarding computer game, incidentally. Um, very well remembered. But they were really, really promising. And it was Kenny McLeod. Kenny McLeod, yeah, he was the guy behind the music. Yeah. 
and uh, <clears throat> so we reached out and said will you make a tune um, and they had their own label didn't they Second Skin was it theirs I think it was theirs hmm. pretty sure um, and there was, they were a bit reluctant to kind of do it but <laughs> did it and came up with this which is a really really groundbreaking piece of music Who's the vocalist? So this, so it says featuring Kadeem, but this is actually Joseph Malik. Yeah. And, and Joe went on to pursue a solo career, um, which he released a, I think his debut solo album came out through Compost, the German future jazz label. Um, and happily, he's come back and like, you know, he's, uh, he's released, I think he's now up to his third album. He put out Diverse Part 2. Diverse was, I believe, the name of the, the album that came out on Compost in the mid-2000s. The Diverse came out on a, a label called Ramrock, um, which is really worth checking out. It's a great record. Um, shout out to Ashley Beadle, um, who's part of the team behind that. And, you know, Joe's always kind of pursued that kind of just real soul um, singer-songwriter vibe. You know, uh, and but yeah, this was the first time that we met him. He's just got he's got that fantastic, distinctive. It's actually Scottish falsetto, you know. Yeah, Scottsetto. <laughs> but it's, it's great. He's 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 releasing again. Yeah. So um, yeah, producers out there, hit him up. He's wicked. So, th- but this was also this was on Outpatients, right? This, yeah, this is on Outpatients, which was our oh, ill-fated non-drum and bass compilation series well, that had got drum and bass on it. <laughs> it wasn't that ill-fated, to be fair. Like the, I mean, I think. Well, it used to get put in drum and bass racks, and it confused everyone. Do you remember? Well, yeah, because also because Volume One, you know, featured Marcus Intellects. Yeah. God rest his soul. Uh, and making one thirty BPM. House yeah, kit. which is just yeah. um, taking over me, which is an amazing piece of music. Mm. Uh, but Outpatients one, you know, I actually think was like a really, a really important part of that phase one legacy of hospital. You know, and I, people talk really fondly to me about it. You know, just like I guess because it was, it was probably you and I saying, okay, we don't just do drum and bass. We're into lots of other things. And, it was, but you know. it was a bit premature, I think, to do that, and it did confuse a few people, especially like Volume Two and Volume Three started mm. to confuse the people who stopped the racks in HMV and stuff, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah. But there was, there was some brilliant music on there. Yeah. You know, really proud of, the, of what's on those albums. Definitely. And this was, you know, but it was Outpatients one where Grand Unified, you know, that, that that's where we brought them through and then, you know, included them on Hospital Mix. Never quite really sort of happened for them, you know, I guess I guess because both of them were really sort of going down other avenues and interested in other styles of music. But it's still like, it's a really lovely piece of music. It is. It's a gorgeous piece of music. You mentioned um, Ryan Atrebi, mm. um, or you mentioned Compost rather. Yeah, yeah. Made me think of our first gig in Germany. I think it was in in Köln or Colonas. Mm-hmm. We colonials call it. Um, and it we Ryan Atrebi was on the bill. I think we were supporting him very early in our DJing career. And I remember halfway through our set. Reiner coming up to me and saying have you got any good records <laughs> and he wasn't saying it in a sarcastic kind of like he was genuinely he genuinely wanted to know <laughs> because it was at that, that time when drum and bass was it was so um, divisive to so many people because I think 
And in a way, Outpatients is an example of that. You know, we we started hospital in 96. 95, 96 was that kind of tipping point for a lot of change from what you and I remember as like the traditional acid jazz days. Mm. And then as, for want of a much better term, the sort of future jazz labels started to like establish themselves. And early on, a lot of them were putting out drum and bass. They were putting out very jazzy drum and bass or kind of jazz with beats. And it kind of evolved into this, I don't know, slightly sort of confusing melting pot styles of music. And there was the, there was the, the, the jazz side, which we'd come, which we had come from. Yeah. Where DJs would play quite eclectic and they'd play a couple of drum and bass records. But we were obviously trying to establish our label and our music. And so we were wanting to just play out drum and bass. And, and we would get booked in. And you could tell that people were a bit, a bit disappointed. Really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this what you're going to do? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was hard. <laughs> you know, it, 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 we couldn't please anyone really. No. Could we? But we were, you know, so we were often falling down the cracks between, between those two sorts of yeah. scenes. Um, you know, like getting getting booked at festivals. I remember like playing somewhere like Transmusical in, in Rennes in France. Oh, well, that was wicked though. Which was good fun. That, that was a but, smasher. But you know, but we were playing very late. Yeah. You know, and it was a very eclectic sort of bit. That works because that was like a rock festival, kind of all, all kinds of music, Transmusical. Mm. And uh, we had our decks in the middle of a, the big hall with like barriers surrounding us. Mm. And we, we used then we as a duo we used to DJ with a sampler with Zoom. loads of like a Zoom sampler with loads yeah. of um, just random Doctor Who samples and yeah. stuff we'd we'd ripped off hip hop records and or everything. even like you know we probably had like the the vocal samples from Wishing Wells because that was quite distinctive yeah. we'd like trigger that and just things that <laughs> yeah things to try and spice things up a little bit but must say much love to Reiner. Uh, yeah, Rhino Truby, uh, who is still in Freiburg, uh, Black Forest, southern part of Germany, amazing DJ, real kind of uh, archivist of, of black music, and um, part of the team behind Soul Gliding, which is, uh, uh, for those of us of, with a, of a certain persuasion, is uh, a lovely distraction every summer when they do a boat party on the Thames. Nice. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, this is a tune. This is an absolute gem. Uh, unique piece of work it's by Quartz and it's called Your Love way, way ahead of its time it's way ahead of its time and we'll shut up for the intro because it is it's, it's a wicked intro actually
So I, I remember being blown away by this, Chris. Yeah. And, um, and we were really, really encouraging Luke Quartz to embark on a, on a career. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, honestly, like listening to it now sounds fresh to me. Yeah. You know, and it, and it, he was, he was in his own lane in terms of the drum bass that he was making. And it just was really, really exciting to us. But I just, I, he clearly wanted to do different things, mm. you know? Yeah, he did. So who knows what, what could have been, what might have been. <laughs> but very grateful for what was. Second drop, wicked. Yeah. Almost like it's almost like underworld. It is, you know? Yeah. Telling a proper story harmonically in the second half. Love that. It is wicked when like particularly around this time when people weren't constrained by conventions of drum and bass DJing structure mm, you know? yeah 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 you just let your yourself run free in the studio because I guess it was also you know I mean there's only 14 tracks in the mix <laughs> this was back when drum and bass DJing was a slower kind of process <laughs> mm. you know my goodness you would actually like get to the second breakdown and then start mixing you know yeah. like, um, I'd missed that <laughs> yeah no it wasn't it wasn't all double drops so, so 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 you could really really enjoy tracks like this yeah attention span wasn't really an issue was it mm. in those days mm. not that i'm accusing you the listener now of having an attention span problem i would never do that <laughs> if you have got an attention span problem you won't be listening now yeah, yeah, yeah probably true <laughs> Birdmeister Danny Bird changes the Calibre remix. Let's get into this.
Now this, this I think, it's the second Calibre remix we'd oh, had, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was just trying to wear that. It was out. after the trap. Yeah, it was up. by Leanne Carroll. Yeah. yeah, the trap was his, was the first remix he did for us. It was on plastic surgery. Two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and changes was it? Kind of Danny, it was a huge record for Danny, wasn't it? Do it, do it again and then change it in quick succession. Two 12 inches that really blasted Danny onto the scene. Mm. And then he did his Brian McKnight bootleg, which is yeah, yeah. massive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we asked we asked Dominic if, if he'd remix changes and he turned in absolute gem. Yeah, I mean, it's lovely. On a mini disc as well. 12-bit mini-disc, master. That's how Dominic used to roll. And high contrast. I found my mini-discs the other day when yeah. I moved house. <laughs> They're lovely, <laughs> aren't they? They're really nice. Amazing thing about um, Dominic Caliber is, I mean, from the get-go, he he was a game changer. With his first releases on Creative Source, and he stuck to his guns. Yeah, and he's carved out his own unique genre, his own which universe. Is yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and just incredibly consistent. Mm. So obviously, he's done you know, and he's done more than just the drum and bass, but. Uh, I mean, I think he's still releasing the Shelf Life compilation. Yeah, there's you a know, new, new one recently came out. You know, there's my number seven. It's so fantastic much music. It's like it's in the in six or seven. Yeah, huge archive and legacy. And one one of Dom's favourite albums for me is is the Dominic Martin album Valencia, which went under a lot of radars, but mm. it's, it's fantastic. You should check it out if you don't know. If you want to see the other side of Caliber. Check out his, his solo album, Valencia. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
and uh, more from High Contrast. It's a high contrast and non-electricity heavy album, this, because that was kind of most of the music that we had. <laughs> um, and uh, this is Remember When by High Contrast. Cool, seven minutes, ten seconds. And all of these high contrast tracks were on the very first mini disc that he presented us. I don't, well, I don't, I'm trying to think about that. I, so confused. I think so confused was, I remember. Make It Tonight was. That was on the first one. I think Make It Tonight was. Might have been Make It Tonight. So confused. I just remember, I remember there being three tracks on there. And then one of them was the mythic disco sounds. Yeah, disco sounds, which we immediately managed to sync onto <laughs> was it a game show it was, or was it a reality TV show wasn't it mm, that sounds about right. they came in for some music and we, we just sing disco sound. it actually I think that actually broadcast before we'd released any high contrast even it was amazing like I I was with Andy Deggs the other day and also Anton from Invicta Music and we were I was telling both of them about <clears throat> when we first met Lincoln and actually, when he gave us that that mini disc in the basement of Catapult, you know, Catapult Records, yeah. and then we and we took the mini disc back because back then, you know, because we had a nice mini disc uh, deck in yeah. the studio because that that was a thing for a while. Yeah, and we and we put it in, and um, but it was really fast. Remember, like he was he was mixing down at something like 182 BPM. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. It was really fast, and we had to tell him to remake all the tunes more slowly <laughs> yeah. well, so we wouldn't sign him but, remember but, but, but you know it was a bit like you know it, it was much faster than Danny Bird and Danny, although Danny Bird wasn't as fast as Danny Bird back then um, but it was you know I remember ringing him up and sort of saying look everything about these these tunes is great I love the, the feeling and the texture and the content but you can't mix it <laughs> yeah it was it was kind of edging towards it was hardcore tempo edging towards Gabba tempo yeah and it was yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah yeah just, just, just calm it down please yeah <laughs> you did very successfully obviously back in the days when he was an, an aspiring MC well that was how we met Lincoln he, he tried to MC on our set and we told him to go away <laughs> 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 this really really young kid yeah <laughs> with back, very, with very short days, hair you had, you had to bat off wannabe MCs didn't you they would just bum rush the mic which was which was kind of like which was sort of like a, a feature of Herbal because you know of course, early on, we were like, no MC policy. We tried to get around that by bringing in Leanne Carroll and a Mazaray and kind of like actually having a singer. But it, there was like a no MC policy for a couple of years. There was, yeah. You know, until we met John Reck. Was he the first or was SP the first? So I, I thought it was John. It was around um, that time, wasn't it? Probably asked them, but... Because um, even then, and then it would be a case like we'd ask one of them and they'd just MC for the night. Yeah. You know? Um... Pretty soon after that, Jungle drummer, he used to come and play drums sometimes at Herbal. He introduced yeah. us to script. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think, yeah, you know, yeah. we also had like, uh, um, Lyndon Stamina was also an early MC down at Herbal. Yeah. For us. But I remember when we used, back, back to when we met Lincoln, we wouldn't DJ with MCs because mm. we didn't understand. Or we didn't know any actually and then like when MCs used to want to get on the mic because we didn't have any and they were like oh they need an MC which you probably did need an MC <laughs> yeah. but um, we, we were just scared so we, so we just batted them all off 
Plus, I guess also the thing was is that very early on, so much of the music that we were that we were playing out had a lot of vocal content, mm. and we couldn't, you know. So then we'd be, you know, we'd be trying to understand with an MC, we're like, you know, if you could just like fit around the vocals, but then they wouldn't know our tracks anyway. So it was just a bit of a mess, really. Remember when we went to um, see Lincoln's studio, <laughs> which was a spare room in his mum and dad's house, and he had a PC going into his mum's old hi-fi tower that was on the floor, mm-hmm. and he had one speaker on the floor with all records piled up with records in front of it. Yeah, where was the other one? One somewhere else. But he, he had, no, he, he sort of had like one sort of. It was like a large sort of monitor speaker, mm. some round like a tandy thing or something. I don't even know if they're in stereo or what. Mm. And and he made this amazing music that is True Colors, his first yeah. album. But it was kind of, it was quite sort of bewildering to us because we were we were very lucky that we had such a nice basement studio that we've been working in for a while, and we yeah. we had I think we probably both had this idea of what a studio would be for a, a dance music producer and it, it definitely wasn't that <laughs> it was it was very nicely humbling actually yeah yeah it really was that and it i think we using i think the first iteration of fruity loops i think um which was a kind of toy software making music at the time mm. um and uh it was it was very very great to see that someone who's gone on to be so huge um, was actually making some of his you know strongest work on a setup like that yeah pure invention and genius absolutely yeah 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 So from the very early high contrast demos um, so confused which was a B-side that's a uh, global love is that right I feel, 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 feel. I'll have to look it up let's have a look this goal is great isn't it <laughs> well, I've, I've got a hospital records release page here that's quite oh, oh, very good how did it actually come out then even? I'm sure it did. I'm sure it's so confused. Oh, I think it was about to come out. I thought it was I thought it was the flip of Global Love. There, there, there were two Global Love twelve. Yeah, Global Love came out after No, I can't find it because we've taken all the high contrast releases off our, off our release page. <laughs> R.I.P. Hmm. No, it's not, not on the flipper global love. Ah, so it's the it's the B side of Return of Forever. 
Yeah, so we, we, we start this on as an unreleased exclusive on Hospital Mix, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess in some ways it's kind of like the glory days of high contrast because it was I remember with the first couple of singles it's kind of hard work you know people weren't really listening to like what's the story and passion and suddenly and we started to get there with make it tonight but then of course by the, by the time that in 2001 we dropped three colors and return of forever and then you know it was really really happening for him and it was a, you know, it was just a really exciting time. Well, I mean, yeah, when Return to Forever came out, Return or Forever rather, when, when that came out, we, we kind of knew it was a game changer. Mm. Yeah. And uh, after it came out, Andy C got on it. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, Andy wasn't the, the kind of behemoth then that he is now, but he was the one to watch he was he was the guy who could break tunes and he he broke this tune because he had I, th- I think we got the message from him that he'd said that he'd been on a tour of America and he'd just started playing it every show on tour yeah and we were really really taken aback because at that point I don't think probably we'd been behind any of our records we hadn't had a, a club success no no exactly at all and that, that that was the kind of start of that but it was just like yeah like as you say it's, it's a game changing tune and that album, I, th- I feel like, you know, that album just ushered in that wave of, I suppose, that that, that new wave of artists. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, almost like a celebration of album making within drum and bass, which, you know, had, had not been a major feature. Absolutely. So um, let's, let's move on to Dub My Dreams. My Dreams was a London Electricity tune featuring Robert Owens vocals and uh, this this was I remember being in the studio working on this dub version heavily influenced by Marcus Intellects massively you can hear it in the kick drum pattern because <laughs> Marcus kind of pioneered that very offbeat um, like a kind of like where he moves the 16th ghost note on the kick drum to to an offbeat I remember the first time I heard it on Universe by Mark Syntax and ST Files. I was like, that's wicked. Mm. Really want to do that. Yeah. This has got that kind of flex on the drums. This was the B-side of the original 12, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it was. The, and then the remix 12 came a little later. Yeah. I'm searching for the, the, the time. 
another very long tune. It's actually quite good the way it progresses. Quite, I quite like the kind of progression, the story mm. it tells. if you remember but this was a 12 inch where we actually got it pressed at a different pressing plant and it was, it was pressed in the Czech Republic oh yeah and we got ordered that. you know we had about 5,000 copies coming coming back uh, into England and when they arrived none of them had they weren't in sleeves yeah 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 yeah. And it was the one it was the first time we'd used this pressing plant and I was just like oh you've got to be kidding me like, like, you know I had to then I think we had to ring up Paul Rico and just say, help, what are we going to do? And then there was probably some poor intern in Tottenham at SRD that had to sleeve all, all the copies of my dreams. And that was like, I mean, 5,000 as an initial pressing, like now would be unheard of for anybody. Mm. But that was the only way people could buy the music, wasn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. recording this and making it on it was just when stopped using the Atari with, with early Cubase and got the first kind of beige Mac was it a G3 I don't even know if it was a G3 but it was mm. a be beige Mac like an LC2 wasn't it yeah 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 <laughs> and it, it ran the first kind of Cubase on Mac and uh, all going through an analogue desk mm wasn't really anything in the box like all the samples were in the s6000 and s3000 akai samplers i'm pretty sure the vocal was on adat which is a, a multi-track digital multi-track system that used vhs video cassettes to record the vocals on but it all worked it's amazing and would it have been mastered on to quarter inch tape or had we got past that by then no no i was i was still mastering on to quarter inch tape because i was stubbornly determined to to keep it analog as much as possible yeah yeah i remember with lincoln's album with um with true colors i took all the digital copies from mini disc and put them onto analog tape yeah to master them before sending them off to for the cd to be pressed mm. I think it kind of worked, really. I don't know. Maybe it didn't make any difference at all, but to us, it felt like it might have done. Yeah. I 
I mean, you know, we've spoken about it before, but obviously it felt like it felt like such an achievement to be working with someone of the history and stature of Robert Owens. You know, we you know, we both grew up listening to, you know, that some of that early Chicago house music and you know, tunes like Bring Down the Walls and then actually having Robert in our studio, just being Robert was a well, he, he was, he, I mean, I don't use the word legend very often, but he is a legend. 100%. Yeah. Um, a vocal legend of house music. And yeah, it was spine tingling. It really was. Yeah. It meant the absolute world to us. It really did. And he was just so, you know, he was so open and so enthusiastic about being yeah. involved in what we were doing, you know. He, he was a true one-take soldier. He would just come in and like, you have to capture the first take. Yeah. Him singing his heart out. It was yeah. beautiful. Okay, and quite an oddity in the high-contrast back catalogue, Mermaid Scar. <laughs> Which I later, Lincoln said that he actually made it hoping it would come out on Metalheads. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he was kind of gutted when we wouldn't let him release anything on Metalheads or V. Because <laughs> <laughs> we told him he had to be exclusive. <laughs> kind of like trademark intro. Absolutely. Hmm. I remember then trying to play this out and it was it was too hard <laughs> it was too hardcore and I didn't really understand how to DJ with it so I didn't <laughs> tried once at Herbal and failed <laughs> didn't know what I was doing and you hear it now and it, it sounds really nice and gentle doesn't it yeah yeah quite soulful So getting back to the release, Hospital Mix, it was it was very much an accident and an afterthought and so forth that it actually got released because we just didn't, it was a giveaway mix and we just thought, oh, um, yeah, we should release some kind of a mix compilation and oh, why don't we use this? Yeah, okay. Won't yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were convinced it wasn't going to work and, and it flew. It absolutely flew, and I mean, like the you know, like the artwork. The artwork was basically it was just a it was a mailer. We used to we used to hand stamp our probably our faxes and our mailers back in those days, mm. and it was just like I just scanned the mailer with a stamp on a little bit of masking tape, and just hand wrote that, put the words on. It was the I mean, it must have taken at least ten minutes. That was it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and it actually went on to be 
our best-selling album on certainly on physical products of all time mm. yeah and it kept it kept going and we so we decided because it did well we decided every year we'd do one and so Hospital Mix 2 came out was that Tomahawk mix that scientific uh, no uh, I want to say Newton is that two I'm going to look on <laughs> oh, no, anyway um, so when, when when part two came out Hospital Mix 1 started selling even more again yeah than part two did and it, it was like this year in year out but of course the other like the one of the key things about it was that this was a CD that sold for five pounds now 20 years ago that was quite a big deal because mm. back then CDs were still relatively expensive I mean they were probably 15 quid yeah they were 17 quid yeah and it was like <laughs> a, and it was a strategy that had been you know like Moving Shadow were one of the first to do this and you know they, they ended up doing like 99p CD mixes and we we thought we couldn't go there but we'd do a fiver but it was it was a strategy wasn't it it, well, it became a strategy mm. it was it was a it was an experiment that turned into a strategy and our strategy was to do it last week of January because everyone had spent all their money at Christmas and they didn't have much money so a fiver would be appealing and it was yeah it was amazing it actually worked so every year we did this for eight years so we, I think yeah we got I'm, I'm literally looking now we got up to we got up to uh, eight I think yeah that's um, eight yeah, number two, number two not even have a... So maybe... Maybe actually num number two was mixed by Tomahawk, but there wasn't a credit for it. So Hospital Mix 2 is just Hospital Mix 2. He did mix it, and he got a bit upset that he wasn't credited. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. So, because because this, was just, cause this was just Hospital Mix. Mm. And yeah, because I wasn't credited on the first one, yeah. mixing it. And so then number three... There's New Tone, number four was Scientific. Five was then you. Yep. Uh, six, Scientific again, seven, Danny Bird. And oh, yeah. eight was Logistics. I've forgotten that. And that was the series. Yeah. Because by then we'd got up to 2009. And then in 2010, we actually, for the first time, did a hospitality drum and bass mix compilation. Yeah, that's what took over, wasn't it? So Hospital Mix was all about like the 2000s. So um, the second track from Delta now, Submerge, which is the flip side to the Roots 12 inch. I think I seem to remember because Delta was a completely unknown artist and a new mm. artist and we were, we really, really wanted to push him, didn't we? Yeah. Well, because I think at that point, you know, we were still, we at, at this point, we had brought on Lincoln and Danny. But at that point, really, that, I mean, that was the roster, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it was still relatively small. And we were, I, you know, we were really keen to try and we were really looking for those new artists. Because in fact, bringing on Lincoln and Danny had gone so incredibly well. We were then thinking, okay, yeah, yeah. So like, let's, let, let's find a couple more of them. Mm. But it wasn't. It was. Not, it wasn't meant to be with Rob. You know. We. You know. Obviously, Luke Quartz didn't really just want to go and do different things. So. Um, but we, we did go through a phase of having some really interesting one-offs. 
Mm. Oh, there was Dagger. Yeah, Laughing yeah. Gas. It was yeah. a brilliant tune. Yeah. Brilliant 12-inch. And, and Clute. Yep. As well. Sebadox. Yep. Some of those earlier one-off 12s are absolutely classic on Hospital, actually. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's that, you know, it's that it's that period of like, as a record label, just le- clearly learning as you go. Yeah, 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 know. definitely. This is, I'm enjoying listening to this. This is like proper kind of schizo step, isn't it? I guess one of the one of the great things about the hospital mix series was that as we said you know once we got to volume three and and it was mixed by newtown and we'd never done anything like that before and then we realized that it was then an opportunity to push the artists push the artists as djs relate that to hospitality start to you know on behalf of like not just yourself but dan john and matt and then to like add that into the kind of like scheme of what we were doing and it kind of it related really neatly to hospitality at Herbal and then as we grew out of that and grew into other club residencies and heaven and you know and it just became a bit for the whole 2000s it was like a real benchmark yeah of the yeah, yeah. Of, of the release year you know yeah this was the very very beginning of thinking like that wasn't it mm. kind of linking everything together <laughs> love it Okay, Houston, we have no problem. Actually, was an exclusive for this album, and um, it got that name because it was it was a bootleg of originally bootleg of Whitney Houston. Mm -hmm. Which tune was it by her? I want to say I think it was called Fine. I think Fine, yeah. Um, And uh, and we we wanted to have some exclusive on this, so. I think I'd, when, when I mixed it down, I'd, I'd mixed down the, the instrumental anyway, because I used to always do that with vocal tracks. And we just listened to it and thought, yeah, okay. Hmm. That'll work. Yeah. Call it Houston, we have no problem. <laughs> Whitney, we have no problem. <laughs> of course. Rest in peace. And Duncan Winslow recently put this on uh, selection, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Came yeah, out yeah, last year. Yeah. Classic symptoms. (laughs) I haven't heard this in ages. Mm.
know, people people seem to like this over, over time. And you know? all I can hear is the absence of vocal. I know. All I can hear is like yeah. that vocal. In the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I can't enjoy alcohol-free beer because all I can taste is the fact is the absence of alcohol. <laughs> the absence of Whitney. Yeah. So anyway, it goes on like this for ages. Um, <laughs> and then we. Um, we put the Total Science remix of My Dreams featuring mm. Robert Owens on, which was a game changer for us, getting Total Science to do something for Hospital Records. What you probably don't know is that at the time, unless you're really old like us, at the time, Total Science dominated the entire drum and bass industry. Apart from the fact that every other release in drum and bass was by them <laughs> on every label, but they were so prolific. Yeah, they were ubiquitous. And they they really kind of cemented and, and drove forward at loads of different angles of drum and bass. It was quite remarkable. Mm. So massive shout to Quiff and Paul. And they're still smashing it with CIA to this day, their, their record label. Mm-hmm. I remember asking them to, to do the remix and they, they, they said yes. And I think... DJ Lee gave us that at Swerve. Right, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the that and he, he gave it to us and he was like, he had a knowing wink in his eye. He was like, you're going to like this. It was amazing. <laughs> did, did he even play it at Swerve? And that was the first time we heard it. I wish my memory was that good. Quite, I, don't, <laughs> I think he played it off that because I had huh. a that player at Swerve. Yeah. That with, the, with these tiny little digital cassettes that everyone mastered on for ages. I wish to be fair, you couldn't beat mix. You couldn't beat mix of that. No, no, you just press play. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't designed for DJing. No. <laughs> Needs must. Okay. Yeah, we've got uh, one more tune. Like back, like back, back in those days at hospital, we didn't really go in for loads and loads of remixes. And I guess the thing was is that the, the sort of joy of working with Robert, and you know, we were we were lucky and you know delighted that my dreams, did like the original, went down so well. Felt like okay, we just have to do a remix twelve. The, the flip of the remix twelve is actually by high contrast. That's right. So in a, in a mermaid scar. Vein, yeah, isn't it? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, like our our first remixes were from Caliber, Total Science, John B. Right? Yeah, that's right. He remixed Superstructure. Yeah. <laughs> I 
dripping with swerve, isn't it? It mm. really is. Yeah, the Velvet Rooms. Right, Fabio and Groove Rider. It was an amazing night. That was like our church that we used to go to every week, wasn't it? Like, Wednesday. I mean, really small. Obviously, red velvet everywhere. Mm. In the staircase going downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, you know, you walk in, bar on your right, dance floor in the middle that you had to sort of walk around to then get to the, the kind of VIP seats at the back. <laughs> yeah, with the red ropes and the, yeah, and the yeah. gold poles. <laughs> But it would, you know, you would, you would, you'd walk downstairs and you'd, you'd just go to the bar and like everyone at the bar, you know, you'd just see John B and TB and Rico and DJ Lee and Doc Scott and just, it would, yeah, Ben Zink. <laughs> everyone was there, Jay Magic. Yeah. Alex Reese. Yeah. All the founders. I'm and then we, I don't even, can't, can't remember how I mixed it on Hospital Mix 1, but it was Superstructure from the Pull the Plug album by London Electricity is the last track, and it's 182 BPM. <laughs> Might have just pressed play, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this tune was really produced by Landslide, who was kind of assistant on Pull the Plug. So it's got the Landslide sound. And he, he made this tune with with samples from Do You Believe, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, all the tracks on Pull The Plug used the same samples anyway, so <laughs> they were all interchangeable. Because that's how it was back then. They were cross-fertilised. But, you know, it gave it a kind of like homogeneity. It's very good value. Yeah. But what, what Tim Lancelot created with this was actually totally unique tune mm. it's like a really beautiful linear progression sort of jazz techno almost mm, yeah Tim Landslide, someone else clearly way ahead of his time, sort of pre what everyone called broken beat. Yeah. Making this like amazing kind of hybrid music, very, uh, very bossa nova and jazz influenced, but just unique and really on his own, on his own trip. back then there was no real in the box working with samples it was all using samplers whether those were like Ensonic or Akai um, or Roland the game changing software that came along was called Recycle and with Recycle you could load a sample and it would chop it up into its component parts something that doesn't sound amazing these days but when it came along it was revolutionary mm -hmm. And it meant that you could take a loop or a drum loop or a vocal or anything, chop it into its component slices and allocate each slice to a different note on your keyboard and even put them through individual outputs on your sampler. So the way Tim worked, he would recycle absolutely everything and he'd have hundreds of programs in his sampler, all with about 32, 64 notes 
put across the keyboard. And then he made it all, he chopped it all up and then brought it all back together in this kind of new spicy mix. It's quite amazing, really. <laughs> also really helped that, of course, he's a drummer and mm. a percussionist. And so that, you know, he had that in instinct for programming that, you know, based on what you were explaining, lent itself to this really unique pattern that he could then develop. And this is a great example. I remember I used to go around to his, he was living in Acton at the time. It was a bit of a trek going out there. And he had his studio and his drums set up in this really sort of crap conservatory at the back of his apartment uh, that was full of condensation. And yet, you know, it just created this magic in there. Yeah. You know, and would often just, he would just sit at his keyboard and just run his fingers along there and you'd just be like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> Where did all that come from? The sort of deconstructed sounds of, I don't know, Brazil in 1963 or you know, put through his own imagination. So there you go, that's, that's, um, that is a, a journey through Hospital Mix 1. And uh, the original. Quite, quite an interesting mix of tracks. I mean, that was all we had. Yeah, <laughs> really at the time wasn't it yeah you know but it's a piece of our history and it worked it's a nice nice little glimpse into how music was made then and how we operated as a label yeah and and, you know, and what it then you know what it led to with us understanding how to do like a sort of a DJ mix series um, how to if you like almost develop the art of DJing um, and and what it really meant to the label and it was you know it, it, it was an absolute cornerstone of the label release schedule you know in that in that 2000s period and really helped I think it also helped helped cross us over into other shops even other genres because it was that yeah. five pound you know I remember I think it I got think, us racked in HMB which back then was a, a huge thing yeah because without that we wouldn't get those inroads we wouldn't have those conversations I remember actually Flavor D said when she first came down here, like, you know, the first drum based thing she ever bought was Hospital Mix. That's wicked. And <laughs> another thing, as a label that it was really useful for, when we realised it was going to do quite well, was if we if we signed artists and they weren't doing particularly well and we were going to lose money on them, as long as we put one or two of their tunes on the Hospital Mix, we'd make enough royalties back for them so that we didn't lose any money. It was genius. <laughs> From a business perspective, it really <laughs> helped to like shore up the foundations of hospital. <laughs> you know, when, when you're running a business, you've got to think about these things. It's important. Anyway, thanks, Chris. Smashing. Nice to reminisce. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, check out, I think Hospital Mix 1 is on YouTube somewhere as a mix. It is. I listened to it this morning when I was doing the washing There you up. go. So you, you, can, you can hear how I didn't overcome challenges of mixing back in those <laughs> days, but somehow pulled it off. <laughs> okay, we're out. <laughs>